Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Crisis averted tonight. The Phoenix Suns, by despite going down 13 points to the Los Angeles Clippers, come back and ultimately win game two in, in solid fashion. You know, it, it's a it's what a 14 point victory. What does that mean? Well, that means that we had a 27 point turnaround. And knowing what this game meant, knowing what potentially it could mean in the long run for the Phoenix Suns had they lost. Matthew, I'm, I'm glad we avoided all of that, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you wake up and Scott Foster is the uh, is the ref, you're like, uh-oh, here it is. Because I did say last pod, I'm like, well, we're going to wait and we're going to see the Scott Foster soon enough. But mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be this soon. But I, it wasn't even a factor tonight. The Suns made sure that Booker and KD were the best players. Booker was the best player on the court tonight. Making sure his team didn't go down 0-2. So congrats to Book and the Phoenix Suns for tying the series at one. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Scott Foster did he did play a factor in this one. I mean, ultimately, the Los Angeles Clippers shot what 17 more free throws than the Phoenix Suns? 17 more. Even though yeah, the, the Suns. Sense, though, right? it did, well, I mean, you look at it, we only had two more fouls in the Clippers. So it's like every time a foul occurred, it was in the act of shooting somehow. And they got to the line over and over and over again. So despite Scott Foster, who entering this game, the Phoenix Suns were 0-14 with Chris Chris Paul. Not the Phoenix Suns, but Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. 0-14 against against Scott Foster in postseason games. That's over. He's now 1-14, Matthew. 1-14. If he goes 0-15, man, uh, we're having a sad pod tonight. We might be talking about what we're going to be doing next week on our little vacation, a little early summer vacation. <laughs> we, we're going to be wondering if Monty Williams is still going to be this head coach. So crisis averted. Monty, you're still going to be okay as our coach for now. Yeah. And we'll, for now. And, and we'll talk about that. There were some questionable yes. things again. Uh, there was, it, it was an interesting game. It was an interesting game. Ultimately, again, the Phoenix Suns beat the Los Angeles Clippers by a final score of 123 to 109 they outscore the clippers 33 to 28 in the third quarter and 31 to 22 in the fourth to take down this this crucial this crucial game two victory so yeah uh you know again thank you to everybody who's joining us live whether you're watching along in the chat or if you are watching later or if you're listening to our podcast a little bit later we appreciate you taking the the time out to hang out with the sun's jam session podcast the original post-game podcast on planet orange we go live after every single phoenix suns game so we're excited that you're hanging out with us Uh, if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review Five stars, type a little thing up, let us know what you're thinking. And if you're on Spotify, just give us five stars. We're over 100 reviews there, and we have five stars. And Matthew just keeps Looks throwing good. up the, the five. <laughs> five star. I'm a five-star man. He's a five-star I'm a five-star man. man. <laughs> well, the, the Suns played like five stars with you know about midway through the second quarter on in this game. So, you know, there's an old tradition that we have here in Phoenix going back two years now. 
Oh. When the Suns win a playoff game, what happens, Matthew? We chug with the fells. We chug with the fells, chugging with the fells. So, Matthew, will you be chugging with me tonight? <laughs> I thought about it right before the pod. I'm like, I'm going to be screwed. I messed up big time. Nope. I have nothing. You should have like a glass of wine and just chug a glass. Of I don't wine. have my water with me. I have to go get it on our you're break. Gonna, you're you're going to have to chug. You have to chug some water. So, uh, Jamsters, chug them if you got them, unless you're driving to work tomorrow, listening to this, or you're in a Target. If you are in a Target and you're listening to this tomorrow, you know, it's 11 a.m., you're deciding to do some shopping, you throw in the AirPods and you're walking through the aisle. Walk right now over to the beer aisle. I'll give you a second. In fact, while I'm chugging, that's what you can be doing. And then I just need you to grab a beer, pop that motherfucker open, and chug it because the Suns won a playoff game. So chugging with the fellows, my friends. And put it back. Chug it and put it back. Oh, that was good. Ah. Love to see it. Cold. So pop them if you got them. And another one. And let's talk about a Phoenix Suns victory over the Clippers. Los Angeles Clippers in game two of the Western Conference first round. Series is now tied 1-1, headed to the Crypto Arena in Los Angeles with game three occurring on Thursday, 7 p.m. Arizona local time. But I got to ask a question of Matthew because that's what I do. Matthew, I got to ask. So, Matthew, I've got to ask, and we touched on this briefly before the podcast or at the front end of the podcast, you wake up this morning, Scott Foster is going to be the official. You know that the CP3 Scott Foster narrative is something that Phoenix Suns fans are very well aware of in the arena tonight when they were announcing who the officials were. And when, and when Vince Murata does it, it's very low key. He's like, and the officials tonight are uh, Scott Foster. And everyone's like, boom. <laughs> so, so when you heard that information, what was the first thing that you were thinking while you were sitting on the toilet looking at Twitter this morning and you received that notification? You know, if it was Chris Paul maybe two years ago where he's controlling the game more and he's actually a point guard, then it would make sense. But we have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, who take over the ball. And uh, Scott Foster, as I know, doesn't hate those guys as much. He hates Chris Paul. But with the less percentage uh, usage rate that he does have now of handling the ball and setting up the offense, I'm not. Too, I wasn't too worried. It's just one of those things. Like we got to get over it. We got to get over that hump and not worry about it going to the playoffs because we already got enough things to worry about. This team is like brand new together. So and no bench. So those are those are things you got to worry about more than a Scott Foster. If, if you're gonna lose and go down 0-2, it's the team's fault, not the rest's fault. Uh, yeah, and that's the way that I was looking at it too. And the, and I put in my notes, this ain't the same CP3 as past battles. In years past, CP3 was the primary or secondary player on the team, was much more involved, and the battles that went back and forth were due to the fact that CP3 was so involved in the offense. And as we watch tonight, as we've watched CP3 this entire season, we know just that that he's not who he was. And this isn't a battle of old. This is like watching Muhammad Ali at the end of his prime. Literally just, you know, fat, overweight Muhammad Ali just getting punched in the head the whole time because he's at the back end of his career. And good, bad, or indifferent, that's the truth with CP3 is 
he is on the back nine. Hell, he's pulling into the 19th hole, getting ready to order an ice-cold beer so he can chug with the fellas after playing around the golf. Now, we'll talk about his performance in this game, and I think it was absolutely fantastic, especially in the fourth quarter. But as you walk through the emotions of the day, that's what kind of set set it off, if you will. It's like, oh, okay, Scott Foster, here we go, the narrative again. And then this game began, and it was another sloppy start for the Phoenix Suns. Four turnovers in the first five minutes. That led to five early Sacramento, Los Angeles Clipper points. Always on the mind of Kings. Um, Yeah, well, I I think about them all the time. Do you blame me? That was a fun (laughs) game to watch yesterday. We'll talk about that at the end of the pod. But in the first quarter alone, the Clippers have nine second chance points, uh, points off turnovers. They, they end up having seven in the first quarter, and the Suns are down 29-24. And it kind of felt like we were lucky to be down that deficit because Phoenix, once again, didn't look good. They're throwing the ball away. And I got to ask, when you see those moments, and we saw a lot of them in game one, and now we saw it at the, at the front end of game two, is the Clippers D that good, or is the Suns' preparation that bad? No, it's it's that good. The Clippers defense, I think for sure, especially when it's playoff time, maybe the stats don't back back it up in, during the regular season. But right now in the playoffs, they're going to play hard. They have some size. They're athletic. And you know what? They make it difficult. Any kind of pass, you know, there's going to be arms in the way. And that's what you saw a lot early in the game. Um, you know, just the turnovers. They had four turnovers like right away in the first quarter. It was, yeah. it was pretty bad. Katie kind of led the way. He had the two. But what you're watching – it was just it was difficult to watch because it just seemed like the Suns had a lot of ants in their pants. I had to go back a few generations there, but ants in the pants, just making <laughs> ants sure in the pants. ants in the pants, dude. It's something where they came out, they're they're excited, they're pumped. Booker, KD, they're just like going at the rim, they're trying to make things happen. But then the passes are just a little just too antsy. You're just throwing things away. And then you kind of let the Clippers kind of take over, kind of like last game. And then the defense kind of settles in for the Clips, and it makes it difficult for the Suns. They were down by 10 at one time. And They're down nothing, by 13. Yeah, and there was nothing that, you know, they were throwing up there, the Suns being the Suns, that looked good because they had no, they had not a good clean look at the rim for a while there. Um, so you just thought it was going to be kind of the same game where it's like if Kawhi can just get the lead, He's going to be the guy that can close it out, kind of like last game where he can just hit the difficult shots and be the best player in the game. But it went the other way in the second half. So luckily, Booker came through tonight, but we'll get into him later. But it was mm-hmm. it started off very sloppy, and it was very quiet in there again in, it the, was, in the arena. It was, again, a frustrating start for this team. And I asked that question because I truly don't know the answer because you're right. The Los Angeles Clippers' defense and the people that they can throw out there, are they're long. They have size. They have physicality. And if the if the playoffs have shown us anything year over year, and this year included, including other series, is that playoff, bas- playoff basketball is a physical game. And it's going to benefit teams that play physical. Would you define the Suns as a physical team? No, not at all. No, we're a finesse team. So in these finesse situations, when you're getting pushed around a little bit, that's where, as a fan, frustration begins to set in. Because you're like, Jesus, man, like, here we go again. They're throwing the ball away. They're getting pushed off their spots, which are leading to turnovers. And the Clippers have a much more physical style of play with Russell Westbrook, with Kawhi Leonard, with Ivica Zubak, with Norman Powell, with even Nicholas Batum can play physical at times. And then you start to see some weird substitution patterns. 
And I'm going to talk a little Monty Williams here. Ever since I've been here, we talked about everything you want is on the other side of hard. This is hard. Monty, Monty Williams, coach of the Phoenix Sun. A lot of questions about Monty. After watching game one, yeah. which everybody in Phoenix, like, again, for, for those of you who are new to the pod or weren't watching the last pod, like, I was at the game. And I was noticing the substitution patterns and I was noticing the body language of Monty Williams. And I was just like, I mean, maybe he's too cool for school because he's just like he's confident and he knows it's game one. But then as I start to watch game two, the same thing starts to occur with substitution patterns where we're putting lineups out there that have literally never played together before. And this isn't due to foul trouble. This is him throwing Damian Lee randomly out there for three minutes in the second. And TJ Warren played two full minutes in this game randomly in the second. And this is where the deficit really started to compound itself. We're down seven, boom. Now, before you know it, we're we're down 13 points. And you're sitting there and you're going, what in the name of Jesus is my is, is going on? You know, Damian Lee was negative one in his, his three minutes. Uh, TJ Warren was negative two in his minutes. So they came out. So he just, and you feel like, and, and during this whole time, offensively, the team has zero rhythm. And it's because of these extremely strange uh, substitution patterns that Monty Williams is, is putting out there. And I guess the question I have, is he going to Dan Tony this team? Uh, is he you know going what? to end up playing his starters way too much mm-hmm. in different series because he can't figure out how to fucking do his bench? Because in this game, Devin Booker, 45 minutes played out of 48. Kevin Durant, 44 minutes. Go back to the first game. It's the same shit. DeAndre yeah. ain't played 32 because he was in foul trouble. So I ask again, Matthew, is he going to Mike D'Antoni this team and overplay his starters to the point to where we hit the Western Conference Finals, we're going to be burnt the fuck out? No, um, I think he is, but I'm not worried about it because this season they haven't played any minutes really, right? I mean, they're kind of just – their energy is safe for the playoffs. D'Antoni in the past, you know, all season long, it was just push the pace, push the pace. Obviously, the pace wasn't as fast as it is today, but back then it was just so fast. And the energy that other teams had to spend on defense, it was just too much for them. And by the time the Suns even got to the playoffs, they were dead tired. Steve Nash looked like a crackhead. He this is horrible. not the same. I think these players like Katie and Book, he, they had to play 40-plus minutes a game. But the thing is, is like the one thing that showed me, like I don't think – and I hate this because we didn't do this all season long, but now it's like kind of like we're talking about Monty and the lineups because we have to because it's the playoffs, obviously. And um, – the way that they close out the game and like the last minute when you're up by 11 and he still puts his starters back out there. Like that was kind of a thing to me where I'm like, wait, the Clippers came back out with their scrubs and then the Suns are just back out there with their starters. And then the next dead ball, he brings them in. That just kind of shows me and it's probably nothing. But to me, I'm like, I don't know if he knows what he's doing. And I think he is just trying to match up with whatever the Clippers are doing because guys like Ross and Warren, Mm -hmm. you can't just have them play two minutes. Those are guys that gotta get warmed up. Yeah, you know I mean they gotta get they gotta get heated up. You have to find the guy that's gonna be hot in the game, and that's gonna help Booker slow down the minutes. I love the Bucks too, and he <laughs> good matchup. I'm like the, deleting previous overlays. It's literally what I'm doing <laughs> while you're talking. I I was I was thinking that I'm like they just gotta stay in there. And when Warren came in, I was excited, but then I'm like, well, two minutes gone. He's never gonna come back in because the offense has to do everything. Booker has to make these ridiculous shots all game long for us to have a chance to win the game. It just it seems a little weird. But the best thing is Shamit's minutes did go down and Okogi's minutes went up. I still want to see more Okogi for sure. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, 
just the way they ended that game, ended the game just with that little weird lineup change. And also just, um, you know, the minutes were sporadic. I think it was mostly in the first half, though. The second half, he kind of calmed down a little bit, but it's only because the starters played the majority of the, in the third and fourth quarter, which book, I think, did they play all the second half? Did you say that? Yeah. But I think, yeah, yeah, KD and Book did. Yeah. They had to. They and took I would just three be nice. minutes off the entire game. Yeah. It would be nice just to have Warren or Ross come in and, you know, you have Craig or Kogi in there and just have those guys in there, like play like the role of like CP, be in the corner, just be ready. Because Book and KD are finding guys off the double. Like those guys are going to be open. I don't understand why you just don't play them more. And I'm going to, I know we won tonight, but dude, it just doesn't look good. It's not like, obviously, I'm not sold right now what they're doing. It's not sustainable. And that's the not issue. At all. Uh, shout out to John Webb in the chat. Uh, he's actually going to be at and and assisting us in hosting our son's jam session watch party, which we'll be talking about a little later in the pod. Oh, for very game cool. Four. Uh, but he says, hardest thing as a coach is when shit hits the fan is keep doing what you're normally doing. And that's what's kind of driving me crazy with Monty right now is he's not doing what he normally does. I get that. we And we understand that when you hit the playoffs, you're going to play your starters extended minutes. That's what you're primed for. That's what they're ready for. But he's almost too afraid and doesn't know what lever to pull when it comes to putting in guys. So he like throws out TJ Warren for two minutes and Damian Lee for three minutes. He's like, huh, and then he brings KD right back. Yeah. And, yeah. and to your point, these guys need to get warmed up a little bit and you have to pick and choose the spots in which you can do it. I understand that based on matchups, you might not need to play some of those guys, but you have to play some of them or you're going to run this team into the ground. We have to think short-term greed and long-term greed. Short-term greed, you want to win the game. Long-term greed, you want to win a fucking championship. And if this is the first round, and, and maybe this is some conditioning thing. It's like, hey, Booker, hey, KD, guess what? The first three or four games, I'm going to play the living shit out of you guys. And if you can, if we can win some games, great. If we drop one or two, that's okay, because ultimately we'll win the series. But we're getting you into basketball shape. So when we hit the final two or three minutes, your legs are still there, so you have the ability to hit the shots. But at the same time, I'm just like, you have to – you have to go with what got you here to a certain extent. And the fact that he's completely changed up the starting, well, not completely, but you know, 20% worth of changing up the starting lineup is something that it, it, I wonder about. I wonder uh, why start Tory Craig over, uh, over Josh Akogi. Juice played again tonight and he got the start again tonight and he was great tonight. Again, it's his second great offensive game. He had 17 points in this game. He was six of nine from the field, five of eight from beyond the arc. He had three rebounds, two assists, two steals in this game. So you look at that initially and you're like, yeah, Tory Craig, he's crushing it offensively. But do you feel like at times we still need J.O.'s rebounding prowess in the starting five? Is it the right move to start Tory Craig? And that's something, I mean, again, Tory Craig started the last 25 games of the season and mm-hmm. the moment you hit the postseason, you're like, and boom. Is that the <laughs> yeah. right move? I know, I know. It was very upsetting. Um, I think Craig's been playing great. I don't think it has anything to do with him being the starting lineup because he was cruising on the bench coming into the playoffs. Big game again from him tonight. He's obviously the third guy with that offense, really, when he's starting. But I don't want that. I don't want it to be like where, you know, Craig, we have to rely on him so much when you have Kevin Durant, Booker, and Chris Paul when he's hitting, and then DeAndre Ayton, like, I hate that we have to rely on Craig to get us out of ditches. You know what I mean? Like just out of deep, dark ditches sometimes against this, this Clippers team that can just play crazy defense at times and just like, just keep it like muddy almost down there in the paint. And then also around the perimeter, just defending as well as they do. 
But I, I think that if you put a Kogi back in, it's nice because I think we've been missing a Kogi and kind of him just coming away with a Kogi plays, man. Yes. He had some late in the game with Kevin Durant finding him, but that's what's so cool is a Kogi can get in the lane and he can actually find himself like in certain spots on the floor, which a lot of guys can't do at that size. But if he gets it, like even KD can find him on cuts and underneath the basket where he can draw the foul. Like you saw that tonight. That's why it's still nice to have him in there because he can do that. But you also just want him in there for defense too. And then you want Craig coming off the bench because of his offense is just, it's stellar. He can do that without the starting lineup, without the starters. It's mm-hmm. it's something that just blew my mind and it kind of just throws everything off. And I'll always go back to this where Chris Paul does say like switching up minutes and stuff, it, it takes a while to adjust to. And it's just crazy to start the playoffs in a situation where you're throwing everybody off now by one guy starting in the starting lineup that might not seem like a big deal, but I really think it is. And it's going to take some time to get used to it. And mm-hmm. when we do, I feel like it's going to be like, Oh, okay. Well, a Kogi is actually back in the starting lineup now next series. You know what I mean? If we make it next series, like a oh, Kogi's back in the starting lineup. Well, you look at it through two games, Torrey Craig's averaging 19.5 points per game. So you look at it and you go, okay, well, Monty pulled the right lever here. Torrey Craig's the right guy. He's hitting the threes. Uh, he hitting monster threes in this game was really a part of the comeback and then extended the lead. So yeah. it almost makes Monty look like a genius, but then there's times of the game again, where he's out there with the starting five and you're wishing that Josh Akogi was out there playing. Hey, Josh Akogi in this game ends up playing not nearly as much as we would probably hope or want. He ends with 15 minutes. He has seven points, three rebounds, two assists, uh, a much better performance in game than game one because he got he got some playing time in, uh, versus game one. Mm-hmm. But what I think that Monty finally got right, and again, I'm blasting Monty at the front end of this podcast for what he did at the front end of this game and game one. I thought it was shit coaching. I thought it was bad rotations. I thought it was throwing shit against the wall and, and seeing if it sticks. And then about halfway through the second quarter, he started hitting his rotations correctly. And part of that was, you know what? I'm going to have Josh Akogi play. I'm going to have him play in the fourth quarter, and I'm going to have him play with the core four. And I think that that's something that the the Suns and Monty Williams are going to have to continue to do. Josh Akogi played six minutes and 52 seconds in that fourth quarter, and he was impactful. They outscored the Clippers 31-21 to 21 in that fourth quarter. Josh Akogi was a plus five in that fourth quarter. The Suns all of a sudden started getting offensive rebounds, and they started getting second-chance points. Now, I'm not saying that all of those came at the hands of Josh Akogi. Um, Bismack Biombo was the one who was giving us those offensive rebounds, but there was a familiarity there that these guys had because, as you mentioned, it takes time to learn to play together, to get that rhythm, to understand where the uh, that fifth guy is on the court. And Josh Akogi has played and started the pre- previous 25 games, Sands game one, and there, and that's what ultimately put the Clippers away in this, is having Josh Akogi out there giving you valuable minutes. So maybe Monty is right. Maybe it's you start with Craig and you end with Akogi, right? Because we've talked about that before. It's not always who you start with, it's who you finish with. And he was finishing with Akogi, and I think that that was the right decision tonight. Yeah, I think so. I just I want to see a Kogi towards maybe 25, 30 minutes in the in each game. I really do. Not opposed. Obviously, not opposed. If, if, if you jamsters out there, you watch the show regularly. I'm probably the biggest Kogi fan. I, I 
he's probably my favorite player on the team other than Booker. Well, you, you got that tattoo, so I mean, I, yeah, a couple tattoos. You know, they're kind of connected at the butt cheek. It looks good. Um, one butt cheek to the other. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for bringing that up, John. Not to go tell my mom. Uh, She's right, watching right now. This is how you yeah. tell her. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like people who are on reality TV. It says nonstop across your ass. It's like people on reality TV who it's like you you see some, them do some of the stupidest, dumbest, dirtiest stuff. And it's like your family has a watch party to watch that show when it comes out. Yeah. And it's you just like. And then I lifted my leg at the bar and let them fondle my balls. It's like it's like, what did what? you just say? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, yeah, they forget they have families, but families don't matter anymore in the world, so that's fine. It's all about reality and making it in Hollywood. That's all that matters. Um, so what I was saying about Okogi is you you want to start, and you want to play thirty minutes. This will never happen. And I think Chris Paul had a great game. We'll talk about him later. Obviously, mm-hmm. I love it if we just had Okogi with um, with Craig in the lineup with the other big three, and then have Chris Paul out and just see what that looks like. Just because I think Okogi can do a lot that Chris Paul can. And I'm not saying he can see the offense the way that Chris Paul can, but he can get like the mid-range. He can he can make it difficult for anybody he's guarding, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what he can do down in the paint, like I said earlier, where he just gets in certain situations where he's so good at using his body, he gets to the line. It's just so fun to watch because you know you can trust him. And I think for him, it's just been a weird series so far because he hasn't been the same guy yet. Mm-hmm. But it's because he's back on the bench. He's, He's not, back he, on the fucking bench. He dude. hasn't been asked to be the same guy because, again, the reasons we stated at the front end, because of the length and because of the size and because of the physicality of the Clippers, Monty wants to play Torrey Craig because he but gives you more size. Thing. It shouldn't be. Because size doesn't matter for a Kobe, Exactly. Right? J.O. plays bigger than he is. He, get, yes. he grabs offensive rebounds. He's like a Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. He plays with the same kind of intensity, and he plays, with a, he plays outside of his physical realm, if you will. But – Monty and who knows this could be chestnut checkers for Monty Williams. He could have Tory Craig out there for a couple games and then boom, I'm going to throw Josh Okogie one game to start and see how the adjustment goes, because that's going to throw off some aspect of that's the Clippers. It, it, but it could happen, right? No, it it's going to, it's going to happen. It's going to, it's happen. going to happen. It's yeah, it's a Monty thing. And uh, I mean, we got away with this one. Um, I think the reason I feel like we've been talking so much about Monty, because Coming back, I mean, coming out of this game, I just feel like it's like, obviously, I don't feel like Katie's there yet to where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this team's not gelling the way they're supposed to be. So it's it's just fun to talk about these things because you th- you know things are going to change. And it's like, yeah, they won. It's great. But you just know, like, going into next round, how difficult another matchup might be. And we've only won one game in this matchup. It's just even next game, you're just kind of scared of certain situations that might be thrown at Monty. How is he going to respond? So I enjoy talking about this stuff because it's just a rare situation right now for the Suns because they've always – chemistry has been the Suns. They've been the kings. Yes, right? they've now been the kings. Back down to earth almost and just be like, all right, well, we got to build it back up, and this is the way it is. This is why we're talking And about. that's something that we'll talk about at the back end of this podcast is what adjustments does or do the Phoenix Suns have to make as they enter game three. I do obviously want to talk about the star of the game. Big Dick Booker. During this game, 45 minutes played. He was 14 of 22 from the field for a a total of 38 points. Highly efficient. Four of seven from beyond the arc. Only one rebound, but also had nine assists. One steal. 38 and nine for Devin Booker in this game. And I felt like it was kind of stealthy. I felt during that first half when the Phoenix Suns were down 13. It was Booker who was really starting to put it together and grab, you know, again, 
take this team and just be like, yo, once again, like I've been doing for years and years with this franchise, hop on my back. I'm going to carry you. Uh, he had seven points in the second quarter. He had how much in the first half? Ooh. A lot. I don't know. He had 18 in the third quarter, though. That's where he really went off. Mm-hmm. What'd you see from Devin Booker tonight, man? Oh, it, it's just ridiculous. It's it's insane how great he's been. Um, I think even the first game he was great, but then he wasn't as good as he was tonight because the biggest difference is he hit the big shots. Yes. Tonight he just made difficult threes. He hit the big shots when he needed to. The best thing to watch is really um, there's a certain play that happened in the first half. I think it was the first quarter where – he brings the ball up and he hits Chris Paul in the corner where he's just sitting wide open and Chris Paul misses it. But mm-hmm. like, that's my favorite position for Chris Paul is like to be, to be there and have book, bring it up and just start the offense in the third quarter. He was turning the ball over a little bit, had a couple bad passes, but just the way he ended the game was just crazy shot after crazy shot. But you also had the shots where he was left wide open. They were doubling KD. KD mm-hmm. would throw over the book. Book would just make one quick move, get to his spot easy money from there anywhere he was on the court it was crazy um i i think the way he started the fourth quarter too our uh, yeah i think it was the fourth quarter where he started where he came out and uh he got the steal um went yes. down had the dunk, dunk. But, bef- but before that it was like he kind of he hit the first shot to start the uh to start the fourth but then also like when when da like when da went up and he missed a shot he got the rebound offensive rebound and gave us another opportunity that was huge, and I just think it's because the way Book plays now, you don't see him complaining a lot. I think he's a great leader. He just everyone else feeds off of him, so yes. it's definitely a domino effect. Um, but he's playing the right way right now, man. He's playing huge. I said he's the X factor because I feel like in games like this, he has to hit those big shots. And defensively, he's there. That one play against Westbrook, where Monty might have challenged, and it wasn't a foul where he blocked the shot, but he had would, body it, on him. It would have been a call. It would have been a foul, though. But still, just the defense all night long. He was getting schooled a little bit from Westbrook sometimes, but staying out of foul trouble was smart and letting those layups go in. But just keeping his sanity, man, with that mm-hmm. team and just being a a leader out there. He just he's a leader. It's crazy how quickly he grew up. Yeah, and he's a mid range assassin, and we yes. saw that over and over again tonight. Him getting his spots him taking advantage of any KD doubles or any mismatch that was out there, he was seeking them and sniping them. And then, as you mentioned, elite shot making, elite shot making. Like, I can't wait to go back and watch because if you hang out on YouTube and you go after the game, you give it a, a couple hours and somebody will put together just like, you know, here's Devin Booker's game. And they put together all the highlights of Devin Booker. It's a two minute watch and it'll just be, you'll see it's just like snipe, 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 snipe. I mean, and that's what he was. It's a beautiful thing to watch, right? It is. It is. And and as you mentioned, he is the PHX factor in this series because of when you need somebody to step up, when the the punches are being thrown and Kawhi's throwing punches, because he can, man. Oh, yeah. That guy's great. Kawhi Leonard's fucking great. Devin Booker's being great right back. Right now, it's Booker, I feel like, can be the best player than Kawhi, than KD. So far. Yes, so far. yes, yes. And I think that, well, I know that when I was at game one, my favorite part of going to game one was just watching Devin Booker. Watching him in person, man. Because, like you said, the intensity, the hustle, the attention to detail, the desire to be an a impact on defense, it's all there. He's a complete player, man. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he's a leader now as well. And he leads with his game. That's how Kevin Durant is. 
Kevin Durant, he's like, he doesn't say much, but he leads with his game. And Devin Booker has been forced in that situation through the trials and tribulations that he has faced in his career. And he has the skill set right now, as he is currently in his prime, to back it up. And what you saw tonight, that 38-9, that's a prime Devin Booker game. That's a prime postseason Devin Booker game. Appreciate it, Suns fans. Appreciate it. For those of you who've been around and been watching this team forever, and you remember when this team sucked, and you remember when we draft the babyface kid from Kentucky, and we've watched him grow as, as a player, good, bad, and indifferent, this is the, the, the payoff. This is what we get is a 38-point, nine-assist quality performance in a big victory for the Phoenix Suns. That's the beauty of watching Devin Booker play basketball. Oh, yeah. And also, he looked like he got hurt a little bit. And I was kind of scared that coming out in the second half, he wouldn't look the same because he kind of just he kind of faded away a little bit. And I was like, oh, does he tweak his ankle or something? But he came out nothing unless he got a shot or something. But he didn't look hurt at all. No, he looked great in that second half, man. He scored 18 mm-hmm. points in the second or I'm sorry, in the third quarter. Six, uh, yeah. It, was it 18? Dang, it was, dude. Yeah, it was 18. Yeah. And then in the fourth quarter, he had an additional seven. So great game by Devin Armani Booker. <laughs> And talk about a guy who's washed, man. Chris Paul, 38 minutes, 8 of 14 from the field. He had 16 points. He had eight rebounds, or I'm sorry, eight assists, four rebounds, a steal. Hell, he even had a block in this game. But was what was most important, probably, in my opinion at least, was Chris Paul in the fourth quarter was four of five from the field for eight of those 16 points. And he sealed the deal in this game. What did you see from Chris Paul this season? Uh, the best thing about Chris Paul's performance tonight is him going head-to-head with Russell Westbrook. That is just – it's its a matchup for the ages. Those two <laughs> those two guys, at times they look like they're trying to, like, change each other's diapers. Like, Well, sometimes Chris Paul looks like he's, like, trying – looks like he is actually a pull-up diaper trying to get out of himself. I don't know, on the floor. But he definitely just huge shots tonight. Uh, he helped us in the fourth. Like just nonstop. It was it was weird because I feel like the spacing on his jump shot was a lot better. It's yes. weird to watch because you can kind of tell when he's not going to make it. Obviously, he had one terrible release early in the game and it, like hit mm-hmm. the front of the rim. But when he gets like that extra like spacing, the extra step, and you're just like, oh, that's enough. I feel like it's going to go in. He did hit a couple shots where I'm like, oh shit, like he's on fire. And of course, this is the game where he hits the big shots, and we're talking about, uh, wow, he was washed, but now he's back. Now he's back, just like Booker tonight. He had to hit those shots for us to win. Obviously, the shot, the more shots you make, you have a better chance to win. But he was that guy over KD, just hitting the big shots towards the end of the game, and we needed that. If those don't go in, I'll stick with my notes in the first half, where I'm like, I just don't want him on the court. Where I'm just, you know, a little bit of negative stuff. I just. Mm-hmm. I had the diaper thing. I brought that up. And then even wow. like, yeah, it's just, it, he looked like he's playing like on a high wire. It just doesn't, it didn't look good in the first half. It didn't. I was not impressed. I don't, I just, I was like, all right, this is, this is enough because it's costing the Suns. And I'm like, I just want a Kogi out there. I just want to see what it looks like. I know it's never going to happen, but I just want to see what it looks like. But then like he comes back and hits those big shots. So Good job, well, CP. I, well, I know that you're harder on CP3 than I am. I'm. I think that he's a valuable part of this team. I know that he is at the backstages of his career. I know that he's somebody who could somewhat get uh, targeted on defense. But I think against the Clippers, 
due to the the way that their lineups constructed that CP3 is somebody who can hide a little bit on defense and he can pick and choose his spots on offense and when the fourth quarter hits that's when he becomes valuable because he is going to be open and you saw his elite cerebral attack of the game in that fourth where he literally pulled the ball out let everything settle and then used DA as a screener to get Evita Zubak on him, and then he just navigated to where he wanted to get, and he scored or he hit DA for a layup. And that's where Chris Paul, and, and that's good, you know, in, in clutch situations, that's what's going to be successful for Chris Paul, and that's what's going to win games for Phoenix is, is exactly what he did tonight, is his cerebralness. Athletically, he's not there anymore. Defensively, he's not there anymore. He's pesky, he's annoying, but he can also run the shit out of a pick and roll. And when you're playing against a team that has an Evita Zubak on it, you can take advantage of that guy. And that's what we saw in game one. Like the Suns figured out early and they go, they coached appropriately to say, hey, the pigeon is Zubats. That's who we need to attack. And in this game, they attacked it a little bit early. When Plumlee was in there, they attacked it again with Aiden. And then in the final minutes, they attacked it again. So they're going to pick and choose their spots. And when they do it, you want to have Chris Paul there to pick and choose those spots. I trust nobody else to do it. No one's going to run that pick and roll and, and get those isolations that are going to benefit the team. And it's not always going to be him shooting it because what's going to happen is based on this, they're going to have collapsers. And when those collapsers start to go towards Chris Paul to help out and that help defense comes on the pick and roll, guess what? Now it is Torrey Craig open or Devin Booker or Kevin Durant, and they're going to hit the shots. So I'm a lot easier yeah. on Chris Paul because I think I, 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 I see, I see what he can be. More than but it, I, I just all I see is just those shots. If they go in, it looks good. I don't think he really does anything else. I know the defense and stuff looks pretty stellar at sometimes. He did have a block, but when he is playing against Westbrook, it's a little bit. I'm not saying easy, but Westbrook can fuck things up. On well, yeah, on but that's own. anybody. That's anybody. He can, I know. He can I know. I'm just. I'm, I'm still worried about just like in the future with him, like having to count on him, and he just doesn't come through because of his age. Um, I just think that's going to be something that we have to look forward to, and it kind of sucks. I'm just. I'm being a little negative now, maybe, but I'm just saying that's what I see from him. I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous. But and I, I see a team that's that's unbelievably deep around him, when, or at least not deep in the bench sense, uh, because as, as John Nelson states, you know, pain is injured. So we're not going to get any pain minutes, you know, or we haven't had any pain minutes. But you have Devin Booker, you have Kevin Durant, you have DeAndre, and you have guys around him who can step up. So tonight was a night where they Chris Paul ran it a couple times. It was working, so they continued. The other night, it was the same thing. Chris Paul tried a couple times. He, he had tougher tougher shots, and he missed them, and then they went away from him. So that's going to be kind of the, the give and take, I think, with Chris Paul moving forward in this yeah. year. As long as they can go away from it, you know, that's the only thing I'm worried about, but yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to all the Jamsters who, again, are watching along live or watching later or listening later. Uh, but Black Sunday in the chat, $5 in the super chat. We see you. We appreciate you. Thank you for donating to uh, Matthew's tattoo removal because he's going to get that Josh. No, I'm going to add tattoo. on to it. You're, oh, another tattoo mm -hmm. on your butt. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was going to uh, say the juice. 
you're covering all your bases, huh? Every fifth <laughs> starter for the for the Sun. Yes. Uh, but Black Black Sunday says 13 bench points. Clips shot 14 more free throws, and we still won by 16. Did we win by 16 or was it 14? It was 14. But still, I get what you're saying, Black Sunday. And he also says, uh, how many games did Monty have to figure out his eight-man playoff rotation? Inexcusable. I'm not going to lie. I kind of agree with that statement there. So, Blake, thank you, Black Sunday, and thank we you. We thought he figured the- it out. We thought he did, and then he just changed it. And on he us. just changes everything. But well, that's- really quick, what he remember his press conference? I think it was yesterday where he said he's like, I we have a really good offense, and I need the other team to match us and not us match them. Basically, that's what he said. And it still yeah. seems like he's trying to match the other team. Like that's the thing he always does. But he said it. He's like, I'm not trying to. We have a good offense. Yeah, we need to impose like, our just, will. Then put Ross out there. Put TJ out there. Let's get yeah. going. Let's get those shots done. Who the heck are you? Yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Y'all know who I am. Did anybody see a sniper? Did anybody see anything? I'm one of the best players to ever play the game. 44 minutes played tonight by Kevin Durant. 25 total points as he was 10 of 19 from the field. 0 of 4 from beyond the arc and wide open for a couple of those five of six from the free throw line. He had six rebounds. He had five assists, one steal, two blocks, five turnovers for KD. He looked a little gassed in the first quarter of this game. He looked gassed a couple times in this game. And we saw a couple air balls in that first quarter. So you, you see that you see how Kawhi Leonard makes him work. And obviously that's the central matchup of this series is KD versus Kawhi. And the physical toll it it takes on him, it's not often we see this from KD. And in fact, if you're a Suns fan and you've never watched Kevin Durant extensively throughout your uh, your basketball life, you've never seen this from KD. Since he joined the team, Like he's just mm-hmm. been a shot maker. He had like one subpar game during the regular season with the Phoenix Suns. But is there anyone else in the league who can guard him the way that Kawhi Leonard does? Oh, no, um, I think Katie's had some issues though this year with anybody guarding him. Um, if you're talking about just trying to hit, have him, if he wants to take it off the dribble, he's having a hard time this year with that. I mean, he's getting some calls; he really is, but it's it's nothing stellar. It's it's not the KD yet that I think we'll see in the future. Um, I still think, like you said, he's getting gas; he's getting a little worn down, and guys are putting bodies on him. He just can't deal with it right now, so mm-hmm. he's hitting his open shots. But Kawhi defensively, we we kind of question, or I kind of question, like it's he the same guy. He's not as good as he used to be, but he's definitely he's definitely a problem. The only oh, thing yeah. with KD, the only thing with KD is like just the weird passes he has today, where it's just they're just pointless. They remind me of like old Booker passes when mm-hmm. he would just throw it away and like you know like pass it in the corner and pass it across court and just get picked off. He was doing that tonight, and I'm just like, there's no reason for that. So. That's just him trying to get used to this offense, maybe, um, obviously. And he's just not seeing the defense well. But he needs to calm down. We don't need to get Draymond in here to get yelling at him and get him pumped up. Maybe Chris Paul could be that guy to get him pumped up. Like he said, KD is silent. He just leads by his play. He kind of plays like he plays within the offense, but he like just plays his own game, I feel like. You know, he can get involved. Yep. He gets pumped up at times when Booker goes down and gets a steal and dunk. Yeah, and he tries to pump up DA, and DA's like, I don't know what to do. I'm just joking. He gets excited too. <laughs> but I think Draymond, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, Draymond. I think KD is just, um, he's not there yet, and that's why I keep thinking in the back of my mind. I'm like, good thing Booker's playing this way because KD obviously isn't the guy right now that can go win us a game. Because that's the thing is like everyone's like KD's the best player in the game or on the team, and he's gonna win them a series. He's gonna win them the games because he is the best player on the court. 
Right now it's Booker over him. When yeah. KD gets there, it's going to be scary. But if mm-hmm. he gets there, it'll be scary. I just think he needs a little bit more time. Well, I go back to what we talked about at the front end of the podcast. And the, the Clippers are one of those unique matchups where their entire team's long, their entire team's large, and their entire team's physical. And that's tough for KD. The physicality of Kawhi Leonard is what it, it, is what is a challenge for Kevin Durant. Think about the, a potential second-round matchup. Okay, most likely it's going to be Denver. Not a great defensive team. They don't have a ton of huge guys, right? Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. He can he can toast those guys offensively, right? Whereas with yeah. this team, Kawhi Leonard is a plus defender. His hands are as big as both of our heads combined. He is elite at stopping the crossover. You try to cross over in front of Kawhi, he's just going to knock it away. It's like, I've never seen anybody like him. Yeah, he gets those mitts in there. He like, does. Those huge mitts. It's like his his fingertip is like longer than my forearm, and it just, boop, knocks the ball out. And you couple that with the, the hustle that the Clippers are playing with and the physicality that they're playing with, and Kevin Durant's kind of being knocked off his spots. Now, granted, not the greatest first quarter. Like I said, he was gassed. He comes out in the second quarter. Goes four or five from the field. He had 10 points, a couple rebounds, and really made his impact on the game. It was part of that turnaround for the Phoenix Suns as they outscored the Clippers 35 to 30 in the second quarter, got themselves back in the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, tied the game by halftime. Third quarter, KD comes out. He's two or three from the field, five points, played the entire third quarter, wasn't having a huge impact, but his impact and his gravity is what opens up Devin Booker for 18 points in that quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, KD uh, ends up going one of three from the field. Those two misses were the two wide open threes and only had four points. So you're right. He, he is the second best player to Devin Booker on this team right now. But he, too, was making some elite fucking shots in this game. And it was nice, especially in that second quarter, because that second quarter was the, the turning of the tide. Because the Suns started going punch for punch. And eventually, after a few of those punches, the Clippers were somewhat staggered and they missed a few shots. And the Suns kept punching it, and it was him, and it was DeAndre Ayton who did the punching. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to have those games where, obviously, where KD's going to be coming down just hitting those big shots. Like, the way Booker was hitting his shots tonight, like, KD was kind of missing. I know he had some big shots, but he just wasn't making those ones where that Booker was making tonight. Yeah, And there's going to be those games where they're just both on fire. You know what I mean? And there's, gonna, there's not going to be enough timeouts in a pocket to stop this team. But <laughs> um, right now, I mean, we're lucky to have Book, but KD, he'll be here, man. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm and again, 25 still. points is not bad. Like, we yeah. needed those points in this Even game. Even Cameron Johnson going off, it doesn't bother me. Simmer down, man. Watch. Andre and I only played 32 minutes due to foul trouble. 7 of 10 from the field. Had 14 points. Had 13 rebounds in this game. Uh, I will say this. The front, the, my first note that I put in my in my notes was in the first quarter when the Clippers were getting the offensive rebounds. They were getting to the line. They were doing those things that were giving them the lead in that first quarter. And I was watching the TNT broadcast at first. And then while I was on the subreddit stakeout, somebody was talking crap about the Suns commentators. 
and I for I didn't realize that the Suns locally were carrying the game. I was like, oh, I shit. didn't either. I saw yeah. EJ on the sideline, but I'm like, wait, is he doing radio or something? Yeah, no, they were. It was wow. on Valley Sports. So right okay. away, I, I switched over to the home side because like, fuck the national guys, and uh, whoever was calling the game, I forget who it was. Might have been Kevin Harlan. He's just like, and Aiton can't secure the rebound, and I'm like, I can't stand to hear that, especially because like the, everything that happened in game one happened like right in front of me. I was on that side of the court. All those offensive rebounds that we gave up to the Clippers that kept them in the game that ultimately mm-hmm. allowed them to win game one yeah. happened like yeah. 25 yeah, feet in front side. of me. I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> and so the first thing I hear is that Aiden can't secure, secure into the rebound. But then in the second quarter, he becomes the primary scoring option because the Suns recognized, hey, Mason Plumlee is dropping every time. So he was just stroking it from the free throw line. Then he got the four fouls, and it's because he started to play a little bit more aggressive on Kawhi. The problem with Da in the first game and a half is he's been slow on his rotations. He's he's you can see him thinking out there. And what made Da so good two years ago in our March to the Finals was he was just an instinctive player who was imposing his will. And right now he's thinking too much. And you saw you even saw it in the fourth quarter in one of those last plays where he goes out there and he's looking back and forth. He's like, what fucking play are we running? What are we doing? And he sets the screen. He ends up benefiting from it. So you saw the peaks and valleys of DA in literally one playoff game, man. Yeah. I think um, the rim presence is just, it's bad. I, he doesn't, his defense, his defense has not been good. In this it, he doesn't make an attempt. And there's times where like, he'll put hands up and stuff. And I think there was one where Powell was going across the lane. It might've been Powell was one of the guards or wings. And, you know, DA was guarding him the whole way and DA can keep up with those guys, but there's no, there's no actual like effort to swat the bar, make the attempt to, to, you know, block it. He just kind of lets them do their thing and like go at the rim and like throw up a nice looking layup or a shot off the glass, whatever they're doing. There's just no attempt. I know the foul troubles there. I think the fourth foul he had was really dumb on his part. It was just stu- because it was he back kinda, to back. He was trying to cut yeah. off Kawhi on the baseline, but it's just it's like called that. for that with what seven forty nine left in the third. Yeah, like, it was back to on, back. DA. But those are the those are the ones that like, and uh, those are the ones that are just going to be crucial because obviously, what was he a plus four twenty four or something going into this game where when he's on the court we're plus twenty four. Yeah, that's just huge, and I we need DA on the court. Those fouls are just they're dumb. They're just like help out defensively, but you get your leg up in there, you know it's going to be a foul. Um. I don't know. I just, I haven't seen enough. And going into this series, I'm just like, I'm not going to be too worried about what he does. It's not going to be on him too much. But when the rim, when the rim protection is that bad and you're giving up layups and there's no attempt at any kind of blocks or anything, and you still can't control the fouls, maybe that is kind of frustrating a little bit. But it's just, it's huge, man. Uh, Barkley said at the half, too, like how he is the X factor and he's everyone's X factor, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, this whole run is going to rely on him to get his head in the game and play smart. Just play smart. Just use your body box out. Just make an attempt to swat. Even if you don't make it, I remember games where he would just make an attempt and the the guy shooting it, the guy trying to make the layup, it, it makes an impact on his release and everything. So just don't let these guys get by you. Just be, be a presence down there. I know you're not going to be physical, but just get your arms up and attempt to like do something. Cause it's just bad to watch. It's hard to watch him yep. right now. For me, it is obviously because everyone knows I'm the DA hater. But I'm just like, we just need You're him just to be extra that guy. Critical of DA. We just we need him to to win anything this and year. And in man. my opinion, he was that guy in the second quarter, and that was absolutely paramount because that's what 
him and Kevin Durant got us out of that fucking 13 point deficit. And he was huge. And he was hitting the shots that he was missing in game one. Cause all those shots were there in game one. He was just bricking them. And it was like the jitters. And in this game, all of a sudden he starts stroking them. And the only thing that pisses me off is he got in foul trouble by making dumb fouls. Everything else I saw from him was pretty good. Some of the defensive stuff at the back end of the game, I understood because he had four fouls because he had five fouls and he's not going to make that defensive attempt, but his rim protection has been substandard thus far this series. And we noticed that because we're seeing like this vintage Russell Westbrook type of performance in the first two games. Russell Westbrook in this game has 28 points. He only has five assists. He only has five rebounds, but Russell Westbrook out of nowhere is you know, kind of, kind of being a pain in the ass, man. What are your thoughts on him this year? Yeah. He's like, uh, after game one, everyone hates him. It, it kind of sucks. Like going into the series and Russell Westbrook is going to be the difference in the series at times, defensively, offensively, he was great tonight hitting big threes in the first half, but he's also like the super villain now in Phoenix. And anytime he does anything, we're booing him, which is, I don't know if I like that. I know he had that run in with the fan and all that. And everyone's embarrassed of all that. I don't even know what happened, but watch the language around the little kids. I swear. You go any any game now or any anything. There's kids everywhere. Everyone's throwing the f bomb around. No one gives a fuck. If there's I was if your kid watching screaming obscenities during game one. Yeah, no, screaming that. That's how, that's how you that's how you do. But um, there there were no kids around me. I think oh, okay. I hope yeah, I don't care. Um, but I, I think that it's kind of it's kind of weird to have him as a super villain. He shouldn't be a factor that much. I think he can kind of get played out in rest of the season because they're relying on him too much to do too much and he looked good in the first half it's just like when you have to rely on him as a second option or going against that it's good it's it's definitely good for your team because he he gets in situations where he just fucks up and he'll give the Suns opportunities where he had that play where he just gets slammed on the floor and the ball hits the floor and hits him in the head but that's just him like yeah. no one, like Chris Paul's playing defense, but that's him. He's doing those things to himself. So it's nice to have that play against that. I just, I don't really like how he's the super villain too much. It's kind of weird. Brunus 92, F, F them kids. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I grew up and like everyone was like, hey, watch out. He's a kid and just watch the language. But maybe if I would have had well, more that's of because that... you were at church. Yeah. Oh, they're like, praise fucking Christ. They're like, watch out. There's kids here. The children. What about the children? Getting drunk now, off that blood or wine. Uh, again, like Westbrook is one of those players who like, like I, I, I've always respected his energy. Yeah. He, I love, the guy, I love the guy brings it every game, but what has been detrimental to him his entire career is some of the decision-making that he has. And you saw it tonight. You saw some of it in game one. I mean, unfortunately it was the final minute of the game when he truly made his impact by affecting those offensive rebounds, but he went three of 19 in game one. And this one, he was what? Nine of 16. And yeah, yeah. But it was all the first half. Well, and the free throw line was, he was eight for eight. So he was was getting to the line. (laughs) Yeah, he was, he was forcing the issue and he was being rewarded for it. But in that fourth quarter, he was he was very unwest Brookian, if you will. I mean, he had seven points. He was two or three from the field, uh, but it was like you said. It's it was primarily those primarily those first you know two three quarters where he really had his impact. But if he is your second option, we're going to be okay in the long run. That's the key, and that kind of brings me to some of the discussion that was happening on the subreddit stakeout. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. So for those of you who are new to the pod, this is something that Matthew and I do. What we do during the game is we go undercover. 
We go in disguise. I'm wearing blue sunglasses, so it looked like I was a Clippers fan. I was hanging out on the subreddit of the Los Angeles Clippers <laughs> just to get their point of view. I want to hear what they say about the game. I want to know what they think about our Phoenix Suns. And here are some of the highlights. Somebody said at the beginning, if we win this game, the pressure on Phoenix increases. Somebody responded, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I thought that was a great start. <laughs> It's like John Madden. It's like, well, you know, if you get 10 yards, it's the first down. <laughs> yeah, and if they win the next one, then it's even more fresher. Um, and then the game began, and as we know, the Clippers came out and they played well. And then the little shit talking happened. You know, amongst Clippers fans, you know, I was sitting there hanging out. I'm like, I didn't have my son's jam <laughs> session shirt on, you know. I was yeah. just sitting there with, you know, my shirt inside out. Be like, oh, what's going on in here, guys? And some of the other comments. Playoff eight and hits different. Laugh my ass off. And then, And that's the first quarter. The Suns with KD was an aberration. Mm-hmm. They have no rhythm. It's it's a Suns disaster class. L O L O L O L. This is going to be easy. Hmm. Hope you guys. If they were giving out wins in the first quarter, man, you guys would be great. Holy fuck! We get in 2017 MVP Westbrook tonight. Russ has found the recipe. They give him too much space to shoot. So he's an open drive every time and he gets the ball. That's actually a good observation. Mm-hmm. They're backing off him so much. So he gets all that steam going. So the Suns yeah. are starting to jump that a little bit in the second mm-hmm. half. Right? Yeah. It's like the kid at Thanksgiving that you just let it score a touchdown. You kind of just back away from him, and like just hover around him, but don't <laughs> tackle him or two hand touch him. <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter of that, t- of that game, you fucking, you jam him at the line and he cries. Okay. And then the, and then <laughs> And then the tide began to turn. KD is cooking. Oh, shit. Joke was on us. Scott's foster crew actually just hates the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys got to the line a ton. Um, these are not easy shots. They just keep making them. Facts. The fact that we stayed in this, despite Booker deciding to, be, to become prime Kobe. And then here is one of the things that they talked about consistently throughout the entire game. And it's a, it's a good question for you as well. Seriously, what did Rocco do? Robert Covington hasn't played in this series. Robert Covington is healthy. Why are the Clippers not playing Robert Covington? He is a guy who fits the mold of this team. He's long, he's physical, he's athletic. But for some reason, due to their depth, he was in the DNP, the coach's decision, him and Marcus Morris. And Marcus Morris is coming off injury, so I get that. But... You know, as a power forward, he's somebody who could, you could bring in and, and run with size. And Ty Lue just hasn't played him at all. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. Maybe he asked Monty. He's like, hey, I got this guy. It's pretty decent from our side of things. Should I play him? He's like, no. And no. Monty's like, I want it. And he's Switch like, okay, <laughs> fair. Switch it up. And then somebody said, when is PG back? Somebody responded. Never. Unfortunately, not this series. So next season. And the final comment that I got from this games subreddit stakeout is i miss you pg the sun's jam session subreddit stakeout surprisingly there was surprisingly there was not a lot of cp3 slander maybe it's a Mm. clipper thing maybe they do have respect but generally you get a few good like anti cp3 comments to talk about no one was really talking shit 
about that's him. a weird thing because they talked about i mean you hear this every year how they talk about that team they had with blake griffin and mm-hmm. you know they didn't like each other now and you hear that time and time but i wonder if they take more cp3 side than blake because i feel like we all probably. realized like, blake was an asshole probably and didn't mm-hmm. listen and didn't play the way that chris paul probably wanted him to play and that so was I think, prime chris paul too yeah that was you fucked that one up blake yeah that was all on him so I was actually surprised and I was like, oh no, this is the Clippers. Like any other series we play, they will absolutely be dogging the living shit out of him. You ready for some Jam Star? Let's do it. Let's just go to the Jam Star. Jam Star of the game, everybody. Do, 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 do. All right, Jam Star of the game. <laughs> All right, Jam Star. Hey, jam Star of the game. Matthew's, Matthew's <laughs> a turtle. Oh, All right, Jam Star's a reminder subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know in the chat who your Jam Star of the game is. As Suns Geek, who's joining us live in the chat, oh. says, everyone, Hulk smash the like button. And he's giving it to Devin Booker. Jeff First F. Line, is huh? giving it to Devin Booker. Who are you giving it to, Matthew? Bad manners. Uh, oh, he even said <laughs> D-Book, too. <laughs> he's saying it twice. Suns Geek, pick one. Is it Devin Either Booker or Devin... D-Book? Yeah. With emojis. Can't make a decision, can you? Come on, Suns Geek. <laughs> Make it a We love you. Oh, yeah. It's Book, dude. Yeah. Book just... He is Kobe. He's... he's Yeah, he's... I don't know. It's it's Devin know. Booker. It's Devin Book Booker. It. We all know. Everyone's giving it to... Although, uh, Jun DeFool just gave it to Shamit. So... Did you see his... Oh, really quick on Shamit. He did release a three today. You probably weren't watching because he went I back to Bally's. Where um, he shot a three, but before he it even touched the rim, they're like, "And eh, no good." Like I swear to God, <laughs> unless there was a delay, but there there's been a always delay. a little bit of delay. Is when you there? Watch He's NT like, "No good." It even it was like floating in the air still. <laughs> good job, damn it! I can't pick one answer. Come on, book man. Kevin and Devin. Busy came up when we needed him most, which I do agree with, considering the fact that Dev or I'm sorry, yeah. De- DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble. Shut down West. <laughs> Biz. Biz. Oh yeah, big go. block. Big block. Big and I block still like Jock. Rest. I still like Jock, all right? He I'm anti-Jock. I'm anti-Jock. I know it, everyone knows I, me. Defense. I want that defense. And you know what? That's what he gave us tonight. Uh, Scott Foster fan duel parlay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to Lissy if he chugs with the boys next time. There you go. I will. You know, I'm going to get some. I'll get some drinks. Uh, not go. beer. I'll get some CBD ones. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. We truly appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, next game, obviously, we're playing the Clippers. It's going to be on Thursday. Um, Matthew, what adjustments do the Phoenix Suns have to make as they prepare for game three in L.A. against the Clippers? What do you think Monty needs to do? Stay consistent. The things I don't like, um, like at the end of the first quarter where he brings the starters back in for just for a minute, I feel like that throws things off. I think it's like 30 to 40 minutes or 40 seconds left in that quarter, and you bring them in for offense. But that just is ugly to me. It's just the ugly lineups. Just stay consistent. We know these guys are going to play 40 minutes, Book and KD. Maybe Aiton, if he can stay out of foul trouble, needs to play 40. Other than that, stick with that. Give Okogi almost 25 minutes. Sham it almost nothing. Don't try to play Lee. Don't try to play Lee. Put in, um, put in um, Ross, Ross. Yeah. and put in Warren at times where they can cook for five to six minutes. See if they're hot. If not, take them out. But two minutes is too little. Defensively, maybe there's some issues. But come on, we can just we can out offense this team. I feel like we can. We can go up by twenty with some of these lines we can throw out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. I think it's the rotations. Uh, they need they <laughs> need to be. Sense. 
Everyone is shocked. Yeah, well, they do. Um, but yeah, we we need for sure to have him dialing those those rotations. We don't need any of this. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in the first 15 minutes of the game shit again because he's done that for a game and the quarter and a half. You know, so five and a half quarters of just like he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like mm-hmm. you know what you, you need to make that happen, Monty. You know what works. You saw what works, and we do need some assistance from this bench. This oh, bench yeah. needs to step up, man. I mean, they step thir- up. Dude, they had 13 points in this game. I think they had 10 in the last game. That's 23 points in two games. That's unacceptable. They need to have some semblance of continuity out there, and we have to give them a chance to do so by giving them the proper minutes when it's allowed. Uh, Suns Geek did say in the chat that Chris Paul is getting his hand x-rayed. It did course, look like yeah, because yeah, it's the playoffs. and it's Well, Chris he had Paul. a good game, too. It's just Yep, uh, and he does say it came back clean, but I know that they were oh, looking at it. Uh, considering I think he reached in with his left hand on a steel late in the game, yeah. and, and he was that's he was how he always does it. it. Always like goes yeah, the other yeah. way. He always it's always on a steel. And uh, Suns Geek, don't freak us out like that. All right, <laughs> pick one. And again, that's <laughs> but that's a Phoenix Suns thing. We swipe too much, man. And that's what happens. I mean, it literally happened um, from time and time again. Like last season, it happened with Chris Paul in the regular season. He was swiping. You know, out of steel, and he jammed his finger out, and he had to have surgery. Yeah, you know I mean? Lakers game thing. wasn't so, the Lakers series too. I swear, like he was like getting his hand somewhere, and his arm no. went like the other way or something. Yeah, it was it was in game one. Uh, yeah, so so we'll see. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. That be, that makes Cameron Payne very vital. And Is I will say back? this: I, well, we don't know. I mean, he hurt his back in the last game of the season on Easter against the Clippers. If he can come back, I'm not opposed to having Chris Paul sit a little bit and get more campaign minutes. I think he plays better potentially. And then you save Chris Paul for the fourth quarter. Like I said, or just put Kogi in there. (laughs) I can never coach a team. No, Kogi has no playmaking ability. He's good on defense and rebounding. That's it. Big wheels real quick. He says, where the fuck did you get that son's jam session tee though? From Uh, in the link in the description of this video, there's a link to our red bubble page. Go check it out. It helps support the podcast. Anything that you can do, to support the podcast, you know, as Suns Geek likes to say on his channel, the best way that you can support our podcast is to keep watching. Keep showing up here. Keep showing us your support. We truly appreciate it. Uh, do you want to talk about other series that are going on right now? Do you want to hit on our thoughts segment? Yeah. A couple, couple sure, highlights. Got time. Thoughts. Um, brains? So obviously a lot of things are also going on in the NBA right now. I think the biggest thing that we should talk about is Giannis Antetokounmpo. We don't know yet. He he might have hurt himself. Uh he left game 1 with a with a back contusion. I think he's doubtful. Ty, Ty, right? yeah, Tyler Hero broke his hand. He's out. Jeez. But but it's but it's the Draymond Green stomp on Demonis mm-hmm. Sabonis from last night. They're down 2 nothing for the first time in Steph Curry's career. And now Draymond Green is going to be out in game three. The Warriors have like a 33% win percentage this season with Draymond Green out. What are your thoughts on the whole situation and that series? You know, the the Draymond thing, when I first saw him, like, I'll get that fucker out of the league, right? That's always the first reaction with that guy. Anytime he does Every anything. Every time. <laughs> but then when I rewatched it, I was like, Sabonis did grab his foot. And that's fucking annoying. I just hate how these guys always just never admit to anything. You know what I mean? It's like, Sabonis is like, oh, there's no, there's no reason for that in the NBA. Just, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have that here, but it's like, you did grab him and you were holding his, he's like, I'm trying to protect myself. These guys just never can give it up. Like, it's just like Draymond just be like, yeah, it's, I stomp on his fucking chest. Stop trying to like run away from all this shit. It's so annoying, but I think it's uh it, the one game suspension suspension makes sense to me. 
honestly didn't think he would just because of what happened and how he was kind of off balance. But there are some angles where it looked bad. And it's a typical Draymond thing. It doesn't mean that I don't want him on my team next year. But <laughs> it's just one of those things where he gets he gets kicked out of a game where you're going to – you have a chance to win. They could have pulled away with that win. And then mm-hmm. now you're out next game. And he's bigger. He's very vital to that team more than a lot of people think, even though his old age. And I just think that, you know, he cost him the series now, man. And you go down 0-3 against this team and they have two more games at home. After that, it's going to be over. It's just – it's it sucks. Just joking. I don't care. Fucking go Kings, dude. I'm excited. I, I can't wait for the Kings to win the championship this year. Well, it's funny because, you know, to your point of no one ever admitting what they do. Like, I don't know if you saw this, but Bleacher Report put it out an hour ago and they said Demontis Sabonis has a sternum contusion and is questionable for game, game, game three. Like he's going to play, but he has a sternum contusion to fortify yeah. the fact that like he really stomped on me hard. Now, I will say this. I don't care if Draymond Green suspended for this game because guess what all the shit that this guy pulls every every war it's funny because warriors fans are melting down right now like sham sharania tweeted out that he wasn't going to be in game three so i just tweeted a a photo of him stopping him and everybody's just like going off on it it's hysterical and i'll tell you this all demontis sabonis did was the same shit that that draymond green has been doing his entire fucking career Grabbing people, pulling them, pushing them, elbowing, playing dirty. So he played a little dirty, okay? And he got a technical foul for it, but he didn't trip him or fall him. And then he got his ass stomped on. Because it wasn't like, well, well, he had to put his foot somewhere. It's like, no, you saw him look down and stomp on him. So good. He's out of the fucking game. Fuck him. Fuck the yeah. Warriors. The rain is over. Let it be. Go Kings, whatever. And I know it's if you have to play to them, me. it's never over. But I did say Kings in six in our playoff preview. Remember that, David King. I said, <laughs> I said you're the only ones that took the the Kings. Um, I, Justin took him in seven. Okay, but I took him in six. So again, I'm okay with the Draymond thing. I don't care what happens to the Warriors. We're all sick of him. We're sick of his antics. We love to yeah. watch Steph Curry play and and and. Clay Thompson's become this old grumpy guy who's like, get off my lawn. I've got four rings. So it's like, uh, go away. So again, yeah, long series. I love the dynamics, though. We, I love the storylines, but I, I'm sick of the team. Yeah, and I know, but I'm all the going series. for the Kings, of course. And it's I a hate great that the series, series is going to be over. But that's the thing: is the Warriors just make every series better. They will. And I know it's like we're all sick of them. They always win. But it would just be nice to beat this team. It would just be nice to face them and beat them, of course. But if we don't have to, that's fine. Obviously, I'm scared of yep. them still, but. Yeah, always we'll, will be. Well, they'll let it go. What are your thoughts on uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and that potential contusion? I didn't. See I haven't it. even seen it. No, I saw. I saw what happened and all that. Um, I saw he left the game and they're down. Um, are they? Is it a tight series now? One one. No, it's they one. They play tomorrow. It's okay, one so zero Milwaukee. Play the one game? Or it's one zero one zero. Oh, okay, Miami. my bad. I thought that hero. See, I didn't really watch that series that much. I I did see yeah. some of it. I saw the part where. Freaking hero breaks his hand but hits a three. Yeah, <laughs> now I, he's I heard out, about so. it. Yeah, I'm not watch any of that. I'm not into that one as much. That, that that was happening while I was at the Suns game. We were talking about it in the stands, but Miami won the game. It's a 1-0 series. The game two is tomorrow, so we'll see Are how you that asking plays. A- if I'm excited because we might not have to face Giannis and the Heat might pull it out. Well, of course. The one team Giannis scares, will be back. The one team that scares me in the entire NBA more than any other is the Bucs because they've beaten us in the finals, and Giannis is a fucking freak. Everyone else, I feel like you can game plan against, you can try to, but you can't stop what he does. So, yeah. So, I we'll, know. 
all these injuries though it's crazy this is the physical play it's it's fun to watch but a lot of these fouls like oh because these guys don't play they don't play the whole season they don't give a shit that's why they're getting hurt but it's not it's like kind of like just physicality it's like one-off things it's like weird things that are just happening and guys are in weird situations especially the john moran thing man with his hand like that was that's something that might always happen to him because he is so physical and jumps up in the the air like he's crowd surfing he's like in a mosh pit and he crowd surfs and it's so fucking annoying to watch him play that way sometimes because he's gonna get hurt and he did so i don't know how long he's out yeah, that's another thing is the Lakers, you know, again, game two there is tomorrow as well. And they could get a stranglehold on this series by going to Memphis and winning both games with John Morant being out. And I was talking to one of my uh, friends today. And he's like, dude, the Lakers can pull this out. I'm like, well, that was already the expectation considering they had no Steven Adams and no Brandon Clark. Like Brandon Clark's a key on that team. You have a limited John Morant. And then who becomes your primary? Dylan fucking Brooks. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, if they had those guys, it'd be fine because they've won without without Jaw. If they, mm-hmm. if they had Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, who is just a great guy to have as like your fourth or fifth guy really out there, then you're fine. But mm-hmm. now it's like mm, we'll see. We'll Lakers. see. Any other uh, playoff series or, or NBA notes that you want to talk about? Nothing. All right. Well, in that case, Jamsters, we're going to let you know right now that on Saturday, when the Suns play game four, which is a 1230 local time start, the Suns jam session party is going to be having a watch party at Blue Agave in Scottsdale. It's located on 7000 East Mayo Boulevard, technically Phoenix, but it's North Scottsdale area. Uh, again, April 22nd, 1230 p.m. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come and watch the game, we're going to be live podcasting after the game there. I'm an idiot, and I picked that game to cover for Brightside, so I'm going to be like writing the article while I'm there too. You can't just switch. You can't try to switch. I was thinking about that tonight. I can ask, uh, or I could just write one as a drunk guy, which I'm kind of going to embrace that persona. Like this is me drunk writing about the game. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) reads the recap; they just comment on the game and what they saw. So Mm -hmm. I know how it is. Uh, But if you're interested in attending the watch party, you know we don't charge anything, anything like that. We just ask that you want to, if you want to come hang out with us. Uh, give Blue Agave a call at 480-419-6375 and make a reservation so you get a table. Uh, we'll say what's up. I will give a shout-out to some of the Jamsters. While I was at the game the other night, Mr. Anderson, who watches the show and comments on Twitter, and I forget the other guy's name, but he was on the show. He, remember the, remember uh, when we did the show with all the Jamsters, the guy who was driving from New Mexico back, and he – he was kind of coming in and out on his connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I met him. I was walking down. He's like, he's like, hey, really? Florida. He's like, hey, man, I was on your show the other night. I was the guy driving. I was like, oh, hell yeah, man. So when we when we go to Suns games and we see you guys and you say what's up, it really means a lot to us. You know, your support, again, means a ton to us as people who just love to talk about the Phoenix Suns. It's nice to know that a bunch of you guys like to listen to us talk yeah, about the Phoenix it's Suns. Amazing. God, Thanks, God bless you. So, again, if you're interested in, in hanging out with us on Saturday, we'll be at Blue Agave, 1230 to watch that game. In the meantime, remember the Suns play on Thursday, 7 p.m. So the Phoenix Suns. Uh, We're looking for that win and the Suns Jam Session. You know, we'll be live right after that. So please join us then. Please subscribe, rate, review. Hit the thumbs up if you're watching this. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening to this. And we'll see you on Thursday after the game, baby. Yeah, go home and love your family, everybody.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.